When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. If you're seriously hurt in an accident, you'll want all the money you deserve. That's called justice. But there wouldn't be lawyers if justice was easy. No, justice is not easy. It's fought for and it's won. At Brown and Crouppen, we fight for justice every day. If you want some, call 222-2222. Because at Brown and Crouppen, justice is our business. St. Louis. This is TMA all day. It's the Brown and Crouppen morning after. KPN-TFM HD2. Collinsville, St. Louis. going to hear this in Glendale, Arizona, as the Washington Huskies take the field to go up against the Missouri Tigers in the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, you think that's it, do you? That's what I hope for. Okay. Uh, welcome back to TMA, presented by Brown and Crouppen, James Carlton in the Michelob Ultra Studios. Michelob Ultra, Doug, has five calories. No, five carbohydrates. No, 2.6 carbohydrates, 96 calories, 95 calories. 2.6 carbs, 95 <laughs> calories. It's up there on the sign. Yeah, the sign's not lit. Why isn't the sign lit, Jackson? <laughs> Gosh! Please light the sign. Ooh. Plug it in. Now light it Ooh, up. Thank you very cats much. Cats and dogs. Okay. Cats and dogs. It James, also helps morning. your lighting. Hey, in. good morning, guys. What's the word? Tell me the word. I'm trying to remember this football game. It seems like so long ago, even though it was just an extra day. Which right? was a while ago. The Mizzou game. Oh, the Arkansas game? <laughs> yeah. I, there was, speaking of, I think I was saying this in the commercial break, wasn't it? Yeah, the SMU, that was like a game, that was a play to make. God almighty. Cody Schrader, 115.5 yards was the total for him as wow. a prop bet. Mm. And I thought to myself, this is kind of like the Missouri six and a half. Like, do I get, do I contact my guy and go, hey, what limit will you allow me to move <laughs> up to? Because I just was like, I think Drinkwitz is going to try and get him the Burlesworth Award. In Arkansas, where Brandon Burlesworth played, and on top of it, they're going to have a lead, and they're just going to hand it off to him. And I really questioned Arkansas's interest in the in the festivities in the first place. Proved to be true. And uh, I saw one fifteen and a half, and I was like, ah. Oh. They covered that in the first. Oh quarter. yeah, it was <laughs> it was just a no doubter. Um, so yes, that, that, then I look at that, and I go, God, why didn't I go even heavier on it? But. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I mean, once KJ Jefferson got hurt, on their know, only positive play right. in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't get into Missouri territory until what was it, the third or fourth quarter? When the JV squad was in. Right. Uh, let's get the Colonel's thoughts. He is brought to you by this gentleman in here, James Carlton, Carlton oh. State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves, online at carltoninsurance.net. He's my insurance agent. He's the Plowhawks insurance agent. Morning, Colonel. What's up, guys? Uh, Colonel, uh, any thoughts on the Arkansas game? Uh, I thought Missouri played probably its best 
game of the year against a team that showed no signs that they actually wanted to be there. Um, I thought it was a legitimate question late third quarter. Like, I know Hunter Juracek said Sam Pittman is coming back, but that makes you change your mind because that was not a team that showed up to play for its coach uh, at all. And, and I don't mean any disrespect to – Missouri by saying that I think Missouri beats Arkansas on probably eight maybe nine out of ten days but that was that was a terrible effort from Arkansas I mean Brett Northlake scored two touchdowns in like 11 seconds I I don't really think I've ever seen that happen and he was just wide open too it's just here's a a little toss to you I mean Northlake's got great numbers but it must be the play design because he's wide open he doesn't have to do anything but catch a soft pass and take two steps and he's in the end zone and those were actually Arkansas's two best plays in those in that three play span because the other one was fumbling a kickoff. You know? So yeah. uh, it, was, it was not a great day to be an Arkansas fan. Did it, be a Missouri? Fan. Did it, I read this on Power Mizzou? Did a wide receiver from Arkansas really comment on Luther's live Instagram? Do you have any spots open? It appeared that way. Yeah, <laughs> our Arkansas site. I would say a, that's a, a pretty condemning. That. There was also a backup quarterback's mom. Just ripping things on Twitter. Uh, it was it, it was a tough day for Arkansas. Hmm. Uh, after the game, Drinkwitz is talking about uh, Schrader being a Heisman candidate. Is it possible he could be in, in the mix, or is that just a pipe dream? He could get some votes. I mean, I said on our post game show, like I think a lot of people tend to do this. Uh, the Heisman, the, the first two guys on, I think most people's ballots are going to be. Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix, but a lot of people kind of use that third-place vote for a guy that, like, hey, you're probably not going to win, right. but you deserve some recognition. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about throwing a third-place vote Cody's way. I, I think he'll get some votes. He's gotten – the last three weeks have basically been a national commercial for Cody Schrader, um, which is, is nice. But, no, he, he has no chance to win it. And – and I don't. I got in trouble on our site because I said I, I don't think he has much of a chance to get invited to the ceremony because I think Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma State as a running back probably will be viewed by most people as having a slightly better year. That got people very angry at me. Oh. As if I was throwing shade at Cody Schrader saying he might only be the second best running back in the country this year. Mm. Colonel kind of has the same deal I got going on the fan page. They come after him on his own site. It's a weird deal. Oh, well. Yeah. Credit card's still clear, though, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if your fan page has a credit card. Yeah, it doesn't. Not a, not a real revenue-generating opportunity, unfortunately. Uh, Colonel, uh, real quickly on the Heisman. From my standpoint, it's so obvious that it's Jaden Daniels. Me too. Okay, yeah. and, and, but Bo Nix is the favorite. I, I think it's become a thing where, honestly, and I don't, I said this somewhere last week, it might have been on here, but like there's 900 voters, and a lot of those voters should have their votes taken away. Uh, they don't pay enough. They just go, well, who's the quarterback of this? Yeah, process? you're right I'm about that. For one of those guys. And look, Jaden Daniels has had seriously like a Cam Newton type year. Um, you know, the, the last time, I, I hope that he wins it because the last time it was like this in, I forget what year it was, but Lamar Jackson just had this out of the world year, but Louisville was like nine and three or eight and four. And a lot of people said, well, he's probably not going to win it. His team didn't win enough games. Well, they won one zero games without Lamar and he won it and won it going away. Uh, Jaden Daniels is hamstrung by having an 
absolutely awful defense. Yeah. And uh, he is virtually that entire team. He's, you know, like a top five rusher in the SEC, in addition to being the best passer. I, I don't think there's any question he should win. Yeah, I, I, I bet it. Even before this past Saturday, and he he had a really good second half. His first half wasn't that great against Texas A and M, uh, and and Bo Nix and and I, I noticed that Desmond Howard and Kirk Herbstreit were laughing at the Fox broadcast on Friday night of the Oregon Oregon State game, and I don't know who was on the call of that game, but uh, about how they made everything about Bo Nix and the Heisman, like there was some kind of like partnership between Fox and whatever the Pac-12 is going to become on uh, on a campaign for Bo Nix. But it's not a shot at Bo Nix so much as Jaden Daniels is otherworldly. I got no, I mean, I couldn't really care any less who wins it, but that, I just don't know how it's not obvious. And what I wonder about is if Bo Nix goes off this weekend on Friday night in Las Vegas, if then that prisoner of the moment kind of mindset goes, okay, well, then it's got to be his. You see what I'm saying? Against, you know, they're nine and a half point game against Washington. Hey. Never underestimate the stupidity and short attention span of, of people, and uh, that's certainly possible. But, no, I my vote's been set for like three weeks. Okay. I, I'm voting for Daniel. All right, there it is. Uh, as far as SEC Coach of the Year, you wrote this morning um, that had Milrow not completed that pass, it would have locked up SEC Coach of the Year for Eli Drinkwitz now. Perhaps it may not happen. Uh, we are both of the, of the same mindset that it's Eli Drinkwitz or Nick Saban, and you explain in your column this morning that it's usually voted on based on who supersedes expectations that were set back in August, which is why it's tough for Kirby Smart or Nick Saban to win it. Uh, is your expectation that Drinkwitz wins it, or is that just where your perspective is right now? I would vote for him. I think he'll win it. Um, you know, it's funny, the way Coach of the Year is done is you're penalized for being a good recruiter in Coach of the Year, when in reality, that's like 80% of the job is getting good players, right? But people say, well, of course Nick Saban should go 11-1 and or 12-0 and every year because he has the best players or the second-best right. players. So, you know, he doesn't have to coach. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a disservice. Obviously, if you look at that team, where that team was against USF and where it is now, I think you can argue it's Saban's best coaching job, which is – uh, quite a statement, but I, I, I would vote for Drinkwitz because if you look at where Missouri was after week two and where it is now, uh, you know, every, Bama was fourth preseason, they're seventh right now. Missouri did not receive a single vote preseason, and they're ninth. You know, so that's a hell of a coaching job. I think Drinkwitz will win it, but if he doesn't, Missouri fans will absolutely lose their minds. I won't. Uh, if Nick Saban wins it, I don't think he's undeserving, but I would vote for Drinkwitz. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's Drinkwitz, Saban. But then you go, well, then how can you not even talk about Kirby Smart? Then so that that that, that kind of yeah. gets into the the uh, the mess that is the Coach of the Year vote. Speaking of Drinkwitz, you also write that you expect some sort of extension or reworking of his contract again, and then also talk of trying to keep Kirby Moore and Blake Baker. Although in some capacity, that's outside of Missouri's. Uh, control if there is a head coaching opportunity there. So what can you tell us about the coaching staff situation as Missouri waits to see what happens this weekend with both conference championship games and their bull bid? Yeah, Missouri fans got kind of spoiled with Gary Pinkle's staff because they almost all stayed. It wasn't that they didn't have other opportunities, but they, they liked working for Pinkle and, and being here. Um, it's different now. Uh, Kirby Moore is a candidate at Boise State. He's a candidate at San Diego State. He might be a candidate at Oregon State. I don't know that 
he would necessarily get any of those jobs, head coach, but he's in the conversation. You know, I was telling a couple of people this morning, if I'm Duke, I might look at Kirby Moore. Um, Blake Baker is, I, I know his name was, was brought up, I think, on the Athletic as a candidate at Houston, although I don't think he's the leading candidate. If Willie Fritz leaves Tulane, I think that is a spot that Missouri fans should be very concerned he would take the head coaching job. Um, you know, and, and Drinkwood said last week, hey, I, I'm never going to hold anybody back. I had to do certain things to, to reach my goal, which was to be a head coach in the SEC, and they have to do certain things too. But I don't want guys to take lateral moves. So what you get into is what if an Oklahoma or somebody like that offers Kirby Moore their offensive coordinator job, you know, is – I mean, hey, if you look at the rankings right now, that's a lateral move with – would Kirby Moore consider that a lateral move? I don't know. Same with like LSU and, and a defensive coordinator for Blake Baker. So there are going to be guys that have opportunities. Wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler could very well get a shot somewhere as an OC. DJ Smith could get a shot as a defensive coordinator. You know, so I don't expect this staff back in full, but uh, Missouri will do everything it can to make that happen. We've had we've had some surprises from players. I mean, Cody Schrader, uh, Brady Cook. I mean, came you know the, nobody nobody picked those young men to have the type of season they did. But I think as a unit, hands down, the biggest surprise and maybe a coach that isn't getting enough praise is Brandon Jones. Came in what in the spring suddenly on a unit that was just terrible last year, and that might be the strength of the team is the offensive line. I can't I can't say enough about how impressed I am with that offensive line. What are your thoughts on him? Is he going to stick around? Because I think I think he looks like the real deal. Yeah, he could definitely have some opportunities, but I, I don't know if he's a guy that's, that's viewed as an offensive coordinator. I mean, maybe he is. I, I'm not saying he isn't. I don't know. But, again, like if somebody just wants to hire him as an offensive line coach, well, he already is an offensive line coach for a top-ten team in the SEC. I would assume he'll get a raise. you know. But he's he's done a great job. I mean, not only was he hired in the spring, but and nobody will ever say this out loud, but he was hired, I think, in large part to make sure Missouri got Cameron Johnson who was transferring from Houston, and it happened. And then after two or three games, that kind of looked like, uh, is that a real good idea? Johnson struggled to adjust, had some penalties, kind of lost his starting job, and then came back in when Marcellus Johnson got hurt and really helped solidify. They've had the same five guys play virtually every snap until Armand Mimbo got ejected in the first half last weekend uh, on the offensive line. And like you said, I I think it's – probably the best position unit on the team, which is not yeah. anything we would have said a year ago. Right. Gabe, after the first four games, Mizzou is 4-0. They had the good win over Kansas State, but close calls against Middle Tennessee and Memphis. Then they seem to kind of shift into a higher gear. What, can you pinpoint what, what happened, what they did to kind of elevate their game so dramatically? Yeah, I think it's, and, and I meant to write about this this morning and just kind of got going on other things. I don't think this season happens without Harrison Mavis's field goal against Kansas State. Um, I think that was the single biggest play of the year. It wasn't just – I mean, Missouri had put so much in that game. The players openly talked about this is revenge. We, we did not put our best foot forward. They kicked our butts last year, and, and this is important. And, you know, they had the lead, and then they gave it up, and then they had a delay a game penalty, and – we do gloss over the fact that Mevis would have gotten another shot from five yards closer because Kansas State had a procedure penalty. But that the way that field goal, I mean, the way that game ended, 62-yard field goal, SEC record, 
fans storm the field, and they wouldn't have done that just for beating, you know, number 17 Kansas State. You don't storm the field for, for that uh, unless it happens in that dramatic of a way. And that gave them so much momentum that then the Memphis win the next week is, I, look, Memphis ended up 9-3. and three. That's a better win than any of us thought it was at the time. And then, you know, I think the LSU game was the next week or the or two weeks later, they, they fell to 5-1. and one. But that was the day that I think everybody kind of said, hang on, we should take this team a little more seriously. Let's quit talking about 7 or 8, and let's talk about a little more because Missouri went up against what at the time we thought was a national title contender with the likely Heisman Trophy winner, and they dominated the first half and, and honestly probably should have won the game. And I think that was the day that everybody started to go, Hang on, I think they're better than we think they are. Yeah. We saw the offensive clinic in the first half against LSU and then the defensive clinic in the final three quarters against Kentucky, and that all happened in a stretch of seven days. And that, for me, on both sides of the ball, in particular in the trenches, they just never have looked overmatched against any team. Anybody. And that's the thing that usually separates the great teams from the good teams in college football. Colonel, the question that so many Missouri fans and college football fans are monitoring, of course, is uh, who gets into the college football playoff and then also the impact it will have on Missouri and the New Year's Six. Uh, What can you tell us on your opinion of where things stand at this moment from Missouri's uh, perspective? Well, it's going to be the Fiesta, the Cotton, or the Peach, barring, you know, just The only scenario, barring if the committee just wakes up uh, tomorrow and goes, you know, we've had Missouri at number nine, but no, we think they should be 12. I mean, obviously that changes things. There's no real precedent for that to happen or any reason to believe it would happen. I don't think Missouri did anything to hurt its standing with a committee that has absolutely loved them all year long. So I expect them to be number nine tomorrow night. Uh, The only way this get sideways and Missouri ends up in the Citrus Bowl is Iowa has to win the Big Ten, Oklahoma State has to win the Big 12, and Florida State and Alabama, whether they win or lose, have to remain ranked above Missouri in next week's poll. You know, if, if Alabama goes out and gets beat by 20 by Georgia, they fall probably below Missouri. But if all four of those things happen – then Missouri is is probably going to end up on the outside looking in. There's a very small chance all four of those things will happen. I mean, there's a very small chance Iowa can beat Michigan, so the rest probably won't even matter. Um, Assuming that happens, look, Fiesta, Peach, Cotton, I don't really know how it's all decided. It makes a lot of sense to me that Texas goes to the Cotton Bowl, but most of the projections I've seen actually have Texas out in the Fiesta Bowl and then Missouri playing Penn State, neither the Cotton Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Um, you know, there's still a chance they could get Tulane or Liberty. There's still a chance they could get Texas. Um, there's still a chance they could get the Washington Oregon loser. I, I don't really know how it's all decided and, you know, who gets to pick first or anything like that. But one uh, thirty on Sunday, they'll make those announcements. And it's good news for the first time in a long time. We don't have to sit around until 5 o'clock on Saturday to to wait for or on Sunday to wait for minor bowl bids. Missouri's going to be one of the first six games announced. I'm just happy they seem to have settled on the block M helmets because that's really when things turned around. That's yeah, really when the important got... stuff. No question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. uh, they've never played better when they actually look like Missouri. <laughs> 
Nothing at all. Is this where I'm supposed to no, say anything? No, no, no. Well, hey, Gabe, you were, you were on these airwaves. Uh, James is going to jump I, in, my, Colonel. My favorite, my favorite part is that I truly don't know if this is a bit or if this is really <laughs> I think it's a sketch. <laughs> I, I really have no idea. Gabe, you were on these airwaves previewing last season, and I remember you saying that you know predict, uh, predictions aren't as important for the year of 2022. 2023 is going to be the season that defines Eli Drinkwitz's career. Uh, at James Missouri. actually pulled this audio and texted it to me and Jackson I, last night. How about that, Colonel? And I, so I want to work so much harder on this show than any of you guys can get. Damn the Colonel! No. Get him off the we air. Look uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to take a victory lap because you looked at reason. You said, "Hey, he's brought in back-to-back top twenty-five classes. Let these teams, you know, sizzle for or these these." classes sizzle for a few years and let's see what he's got in 2023 and here we are reflected on a 10 and 2 season with a, a potential new year six bowl coming up so just take the victory lap and in the voice of reason well james you you feel free to get on and post that audio on power mizzou and tell yeah, us over there. I am. And then, uh, then we can uh, renegotiate that uh, sponsorship there we there go, go. Nice. A, lot of, a lot of business getting taken care of here uh i i do think this though gabe because uh one of the things that was incredibly i mean saturday was just so great for college football but it also showed just how ins- the reason why it's great is how ridiculous it is um is the coaching element yeah. And how you saw the Mark Stoops situation, and then it became no Mark Stoops to College Station. And I just think one of the things that is so imperative, and I suppose Texas A&M is different than Missouri, I guess from a resources standpoint, I I think nobody would dispute that point. But I just think, I mean, like as we're talking, Frank Reich has been fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and I realize that's the NFL, but the man didn't even get through one season, and he's already been fired. And I just think it's what we've seen recently, and I I do think it's a byproduct of social media and echo chambers, is coaches get whacked or essentially deified uh, well before deserving. And in the case of Missouri, and maybe it was just out of necessity, you gave Eli Drinkwitz more than just two or three years, whereas other programs are getting rid of guys, and I don't think that that's a way to really build a program. I think there is something to really saying, you know, it's a cliche, but patience is a virtue. The hardest thing in sports is to be honest about who you are, who your team is, who your program is, whatever. And, like, the whole Mark Stoops thing, like, if I'm Mark Stoops, I can get paid $9 million a year at a place where if I just win seven games every year, if I just beat bad teams, they're never firing me. Whereas if I go to Texas A&M and I'm 7-5 and five two years in a row, I might be out. Yep. Uh, and maybe you get a little more money, and maybe they pay players more money, but I, I don't really understand it. You know, I, I would be much happier and and some people will say well you can win a national title at texas a well maybe but it's been 85 years like the the 10 win seasons in this century read missouri six texas a&m one so uh, is it really a better job i don't know it just comes with a lot more expectation uh but you're right look social media message boards are the worst at this every win is an extension right and every loss somebody has to be fired i mean <laughs> We've had people in the last couple of weeks saying, well, hang on, we, we probably anointed Dennis Gates too soon. He, nobody's saying fire him, but all of a sudden it's, I don't know if this guy's very good. Well, it, it, let's let's look beyond yesterday before we start drawing conclusions either way. And with Missouri, look, there was no, no idea that Eli Drinkwitz was in trouble after last year. 
nobody thought about moving on or firing him. Everybody knew, hey, he he has to show something this year. I said he probably had to win seven, uh, maybe even had to win eight. And he went out and did it, and it's not a question anymore. Hmm. I assume with the program and Drinkwitz as hot as they are right now, they're going nuts trying to recruit and take advantage of this right now, right? Yeah, this this next three weeks will be uh, four weeks, really, is huge for the program. I mean, he is going to go out taking a 10-win season um, with, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl, top 10 ranking, and NIL money that stacks up with, I think, all but the absolutely ridiculously elite in college football. And he's going to go into the transfer portal and on the recruiting trail with those at his disposal. He has recruited incredibly well with nothing but hope to sell and now he has tangible results to sell and we see we'll see what that does i mean i think one of the i think maybe the only disappointment in the gary pinkle era at missouri was that when he had these type of results it didn't really change what missouri was able to do recruiting wise you know, and and I think a big reason they they went into it kind of a funk even before 2000 uh, or during that 2015 season was the 13 and 14 re- and 15 recruiting classes coming off those back-to-back uh, SEC East titles weren't very good to be quite honest. And so these next couple classes for Drinkwitz, the goal is hey, get back to let, let's see if you can bring in top 20, top 15, maybe even top 10 classes with an IL behind you now. And if you can do that, this thing has a chance to, to reach that next level. Any of your uh, Ryan Wingo news? Um, not to my knowledge. I, I honestly haven't heard much of anything about him. Uh, Missouri is looking at other receivers. I, I don't think Missouri is pursuing. I mean, if they get a call in the next three, four weeks and – Wingo says, hey, I, I changed my mind. I want to come, and whatever we had in place is good, then I, then I think you probably have to do it. But I don't get any sense that Missouri is uh, putting any uh, any real time or energy into it. Uh, Colonel, let me get you out of here on this one. In your opinion, because I was, I was uh, texting you at, what, 6.15 this morning about Missouri's resume and Ole Miss's resume, uh, and we, we shared the same viewpoint that Missouri's resume may not be as good as Ole Miss's, but if the two were to play, we would take Missouri against Ole Miss. Of course, that theoretically means nothing, but if that's the way that the committee views teams as opposed to resume, then things could get super interesting this weekend. In your opinion, I got a two-parter, Doug. Do you mind if I ask Gabe a two-parter? Well, if it's brief. Who, in your opinion, are the four best teams in college football? And the second part is who are the four teams you think are actually going to be in the college football playoff? I think the four best teams are Georgia, Michigan, Oregon. I agree with all that. Big gap. Yep. Um, Texas or Alabama or Ohio State? Um, you know, one of those three, I don't really know. Um, I think if Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State win, this is simple. You're done. That's your playoff. Um, you're not leaving out an undefeated Power Five champion. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, if Oregon wins, Oregon then replaces Washington. Those are the five teams that win this weekend. They are in the playoff. No questions asked. Um, you know, I think Michigan has the best chance to still get in with a loss. I think they could still be like the four seed even with a loss. Uh, Georgia, oddly, even though they're probably number one, probably can't get in with a loss 
just because of, and we've talked about the chaos theory of what if there's one spot for 12 and one Texas, Bama, and Georgia. And I think it deservedly should go to Texas, but I'm not at all sure it would. You know, I, I think Alabama might get in despite having lost to Texas. So a lot that can happen, but those are the eight, those are the seven teams that have a chance. There's a, I, Ohio State's the only team that can get in without playing this weekend, but I think it would take a whole lot of chaos for yeah. that to happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll cheat and I'll ask a final prediction on where you think Missouri goes, even though I realize it's contingent on a million things and this has no value, but you know, people love predictions. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, I'll, I'll say Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl um, against the Nittany Lions. That's the most likely. I, if that's the case, I hope it's Penn State and, and not Texas. Um, you know, just because I've seen Missouri Texas a lot. Um, the last time I, the last time I know Missouri played Penn State was the Orange Bowl when my dad was a sophomore year in a sophomore at Missouri. So that would be uh, that would be a, a fun kind of tripped out memory lane for a lot of people. They play him in 1980, Doug, didn't they? Play him in eight? I don't remember. I don't remember the years, Tim. Yeah. I thought the Orange Bowl was 69. Yeah, the Orange Bowl was 69, but I thought they played him in 80, but I could be off the mark on that. Well, hell, there's no way to find out. Uh, no. Uh, the <laughs> last not, time they played was in 1980 in Columbia. There you go. I was on that one. Uh, Penn State won 29 to 21. What was Missouri wearing? Um... <laughs> Anthracite. Gabe's just going to hang up. It was anthracite. Uh, (laughs) Colonel, always enjoy the conversation, and uh, no, none of this was a bit. All right, sounds good, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love the Colonel. <laughs> clip that off. There's a lot to clip off from, from uh, that conversation. James, four best teams in the country. You're telling me if Michigan loses on a neutral field to Iowa and Georgia loses on a neutral field to Alabama, that you're putting. Is, is, am I understanding? Oh, I don't. That th- right? I don't think. I don't think he was saying that. I so Georgia would saying, still get in in that scenario. I think that. I think that Georgia would still get in if the, if you have that situation. Okay. Yeah, I, I, well, maybe not. I don't know if he's saying Michigan's the one that can afford a loss. I thought he said, yeah, they're, they're the ones that can afford a loss this week. Because the then week. I guess the logic would be then you wouldn't have a Big Ten team in there, and that would be a real problem. Mm, not you know me. what I mean? Well, I would think it's more likely that Georgia and Bama both go than neither of them go. I think that would be the case. I, I, I'll say this as far as, like, who I think. Again, it, what does it matter? But, I God, I watch this stuff. So, I mean, I just watch it all day long. And... In my opinion, I, see, yeah, the thing is, I would put Ohio State in the in the class, actually. But Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, I would put up there. And then I do think then I would put Ohio State, I, Alabama, um, Texas. Texas. Uh, am, I le- am I leaving Florida somebody State? out? That, n- no. Yeah, so they're, so here, but they have, and I'm not including Washington, and they're undefeated. I don't include them in there. Herein lies the issue. I mean, that's the thing. I think Missouri would compete, and I know it sucks that I went there because it's, it's, I just know what, especially like angry Illinois or angry Kansas guy, just like, oh, you're saying, but I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that Missouri fans hated, you know, the last few years. But I just tell you what I honestly think, and I'm just telling you in the trenches, especially that offensive line, which very astute question, kind of inside baseball to ask about the offensive line coach, but that offensive line is what this is all about this year. And it was probably the biggest concern. I mean, he People came are asking about who's the MVP this year, and I get it. You can make a case for one of three, really. Yeah, you know, I mean, Cody Schrader came on in November. Very few people are talking about Cody Schrader all the way up until the Georgia game. If Cody Schrader would have played against Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas before the Georgia game, people would be raging about the fact that they passed in the famous interception. 
uh, was that Nazir Whiteside? Is that was that the, the Stackhouse? Stack I can't get Stack Georgia. Yeah. Georgia that mm-hmm. made the interception yeah. because he was already running the ball really well against Absolutely. them. And you go, why even throw that there? Then you see what he did against Tennessee, Florida, and and Arkansas. But the point being, it was like Cook was the biggest surprise, at least from my standpoint. Well, I don't know. I don't think you can say he was more surprising than Schrader. I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> Cook was more. I I didn't think Cook had any of. This. Well, I mean, did you see Cody Schrader's upside being at the? At, the, at least he was dominant uh, before, and but well in. High school and college, he was dominant. I never saw yeah, Brady Cook I mean, have dominant the dominant SEC. Right, and that's different. There's a difference. Yeah, there. I don't know. I mean, either way, both were way above uh, what I could have seen coming. Burden was the guy. I think I don't think we saw the real Luther Burden from I don't know when. South Carolina. South Carolina yeah, through, until, until and then it got even worse against Georgia. I don't know if we're if we're gonna see him. You know, at it, 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 like the full out guy he was. Yeah, like when Florida they were just. Yeah, he did look better, yeah. but he still, I mean, against LSU, that was otherworldly. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. And uh, and he was just a guy who just get the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. So along those lines, I understand focus being on an individual, but as far as the difference maker overall, it's the offensive line. And yeah. that's what usually separates great teams from championship teams. And that's what Missouri has this year. But I mean, how many people really get worked up about an offensive line, but ask the guys in the 99 Rams and they'll go, yeah, Orlando pace, Adam Timmerman, Andy McCollum, you know, and just yeah. rattle off. Doug, you were a big, uh, Tom Newton, Tom Mike, Newton guy, Mike Rudadori <laughs> guy. And then that's, that's the thing. It's, it's not glamorous, but if you have that, the yeah. big uglies in the trenches, who will put their hands in the dirt and pin their ears, back. which is Wasn't why Rudadori Terra, he was the center, which is why it's so terrible that there's not a doubt in my mind if Tolleson doesn't have that you know play against LSU they beat LSU they were just they weren't going to be stopped there yeah. and I, st- I still th- view the same thing not necessarily the same way as because I feel like LSU they cost themselves Georgia they were there that I just go yeah they're they're right there and listen you all anytime you have these kinds of look how close they were also look how close they were to losing to Kansas State and really Florida I mean that's fourth and 17 absolutely and I yeah. but every team has these games over the course of a year ago how the hell did that one happen and the answer is they're 18 to 22 years old and you never know what the hell's going on I mean Florida lost to Arkansas yeah and Florida had Missouri fourth and 17 Missouri was fighting for their lives against Middle Tennessee absolutely it's crazy but I mean our, uh, Georgia, this team that might go down as one of the greatest teams in college football history, was down fourteen to three to South Carolina oh at the half. A team that couldn't even Athens. come close to scoring a touchdown, Missouri. So I mean, it's just that that's that's the thing about college football is there's these wide deltas. It does seem to me though that more often than not, when the two powers collide, as was the case with Oregon and Washington earlier in the year, as was the case this past Saturday with Ohio State and Michigan. Rarely do you have one just fall on its face. They seem to rise to the occasion. And the reason I bring that up is my theory is the reason why those things happen is just the psyche of the dominant team is just like, eh, Georgia's going, we got South Carolina, whatever. Missouri's going, we just beat Tennessee 36-7. to Florida lost to Arkansas at home. What's going to happen I there? I think we saw that with George on Saturday. Yes, and I think, and I mean, hell, they didn't dress. Well, Bowers was dressed, but he didn't play. McConkie yeah. didn't play. You know, I think they had a backup back in there, um, if I'm not mistaken, who had a big night, by the way. Kid out of California was a five-star recruit at a big night. Must be nice. Yeah, I know. Yeah, nice. right. Get five stars out of California. But that's why you got to give Washington like some credit. 
I mean, Washington has has they've, had some close games, but they've won all of them. They've won. I mean, what I would say, and I could be off the mark on this, but when you have a team like a Washington and also to an extent like Florida State, although I feel like Washington's more, the more obvious one, those teams usually get exposed at some point. Mm-hmm. The college football playoff, now it's more often that it happens. Yeah, and they have TCU before. was kind of a, I thought anyway, if you watched that TCU-Michigan game last year, it was TCU-Michigan if I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Yep. So many weird things had to happen. I'm like, oh, my God. Now, I didn't expect the score to be what it was when Georgia-TCU, but I God. loved Georgia in that game. Because I'm like, oh, you can kind of see some outlier things happened that caused that result. And again, you have to watch this stuff. I mean, it's not necessarily something, especially when you're married and a father that you're like bragging about, you know, if you're 25 and you're single, you can watch college football all day. I do it. I guess I can justify it. It's my job. But you know, in reality, I just study and it's, I feel like it's the most consistent over a large sample size. You will certainly have outliers as I just cited where the performance NFL, I couldn't tell you, I have no idea. You know, I have no idea what to expect. Both college football, I feel like more often than not, and there are outliers, uh, that it holds to form, which is why I feel very comfortable in saying it's Georgia, Michigan, and and Oregon. But but if you're going to say that, then how can you, like, go, well, I mean, Ohio State is, is a play away at Ann Arbor, and how do you go, well, then they're not in the same class. They are in the same class. Also a play you away. You can't go results-oriented. Right. Right. What's that? No, also a play away on the other side in South Bend. Absolutely. That one, so. That's the thing. That was my whole thing with Notre Dame. Yeah, right. L- Louisville was one I was just waiting for. it. Yeah. I, if you were watching, you're like, okay, you can't get worked over by Pittsburgh and almost lose at home to Virginia and be a, a national championship contender. It's just not the way that it works. So um, I'd, be, I'd be very surprised, but, of course, it, it can happen if Oregon's not there. Um and if Michigan's not there, I guess that goes without saying. I mean, they're a 23-point favorite. The Georgia one is precarious. Is Nick Saban set on the field? I think he misspoke when he was asked about it. But, you know, the benefit to winning a game where you don't play well and you escape is so powerful. And, uh, and it's one of those things that if you can get that, that, that could be quite a spot for the SEC and the College Football Playoff Committee if – Alabama beats Georgia on Saturday. And even if they're down by two scores right away, that team is always going to believe we can still come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was such an improbable play on fourth and what was it 30 or fourth and goal from the 31 or something yeah. to that effect. I mean, that's, that was, that was insane. I, I just never understand why you don't try to pressure the quarterback. And I, I've referenced this before. Uh, the Cardinals and Texans obscure game a couple weeks ago. Very similar play. The coach of the year, in my opinion, for the Texans blitzed the house. Merley at zero time threw it up, and it was over. I mean, you can't give these guys that much time to carve you up, and they did. And Milrow made a great throw. That was the throw of the year. That yeah, a, that was absolute perfection. I can't wait for this weekend, though. It's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like the schedule, like the, the Big Ten thing. Be, you know, you play that at like 3 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that one. But the Pac-12. Well, sure, the, the Pac-12. Big, the Big 12 has some interest to me, certainly the SEC championship. The Big 12 one is interesting from a wagering standpoint because if Texas can do what they did to Texas yeah. Tech, they've got to pound them into submission. And the thing about it for Oklahoma State is why does Oklahoma State score points? They're running back. Mm-hmm. He had five touchdowns against BYU. Wow. Uh, well, if you're down 
14-nothing. Yeah, the ground game yeah. comes out of play, and then Texas might just go, okay, we've got to make this like 60 to nothing. We have to send That's a message. A good point. You That's see what I'm point. saying? Absolutely. Which is why I was telling you about that SMU Navy game this weekend, which I just left money on the table by not by not betting it because SMU had to send a message because SMU is in play to be Missouri's opponent. Yeah. Liberty is in play to be Missouri's opponent. I, I would imagine most people aren't aware of these things, but uh, yeah. these are all in mm-hmm. play. Imagine having the sign of year Missouri's had, and then you go up against Liberty. <laughs> And uh, in the bowl game, James, always appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. There is the great James Carlton of uh, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Think about it. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Well, I'm I thinking am. about those block M helmets. As long as they wear those, they can play with anybody. Yeah, they look so good, so much better than that it's just yellow. Natural. That's yeah, what they wore for great. years. That's what they're so, so You weren't a fan wear. of the uh, outfits on Friday? Hell no. I, I'm actually with Doug with the traditional block M helmet. They I'm fine great. mixing up the pants and the face mask, but you got to have the block M. Yes, you do. You sure do. You see what happens you. when they wear them. Good things. Thank you for buying time while I get into the email. Okay. I appreciate it. I've I would like the old reads. gold instead of the yellow, but I don't suppose I'm going to get that. Doesn't seem like it. And maybe since they've had success with the Block M and everyone seems to like them, maybe they'll stick with it. This is my hope. This is We're my recruiting, desire. though, Doug. Recruiting. You can't go in there with the Block M and have to right. get four or five several guys. That's what we were told by Gary Pinkle. <laughs> That 18-year-olds want different uniforms every week. The Brian Burwell, Joe Strauss discussion on that. All-timer. Yeah. They actually talked about that? I could not see Strauss giving... Well, as, you can, as you can imagine, Strauss's response to it. He was on board. <laughs> mm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our design air heating and cooling email of the day! Gray. Lynn. Gibson. It don't matter who the Redbirds sign. We should all be focused on keeping Tim in St. Louis. Plain and simple. But this email is about the butt stuff I witnessed at my bachelor party from my first marriage. Lodo, 2001. Tantera's Black Bear Lounge. The only thing I asked was the stripper not be a townie. So Uncle Skip's drinking buddy Tony flew one in from Sunset Hills. Mm. The dude was stacked. That's a fact. And wasn't letting those khakis hold nothing back. Oh. His dance got us all so horny we just wanted to go back to our chalet and pair off with each other. Uh, pair off. <laughs> the chalet. Then all of a sudden, he says, broadcasting ain't paying what it used to. Here's my list of prices. So Tony threw him a C note and said, give me the OPI. He said, okay, lube yourself up real nice, like, because here comes the offensive penile injection. Oh, ooh. The pain on Tony's face told us all just how far it went. The dude's nickname must have been Chipper Dale because he hid those nuts where nobody could find them. That's from BBCing you later. 
British Broadcast Company. It's <laughs> correct. BBC like Graham Norton later. Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do a lot of fun games. They do. Fun games, Doug. Great show today, guys. I wasn't sure you were going to be able to pull it off without me, but alas, it seemed to go off without a hitch. But I just wanted to check in with you guys from sunny Orlando, Florida this morning. As everyone knows, I always take the week after Thanksgiving off, and this year I decided that I was going to peel the thick, dense layer of old man spunk off my 1970s couch that I recently moved eight feet from apartment 1A to apartment 1B and dig deep down in the cushions to see if I could scrape together enough to get me down here. Needless to say, all I found was the Lisa Ann fleshlight that I swore I didn't steal and a plethora of those tiny penises that exploded <laughs> out of the canister during my COVID unboxing. Luckily for me, though, the poster-hanging divorcee that I take to Olive and Oak biannually felt sorry enough for me to buy a ticket, buy me a ticket, to come on down so I could check out a couple of cardboard boxes that I plan on living under once I retire from Hubbard. So that when I get off from my 45-minute shift at rallies, I can just kind of kick back, relax, and listen to something called Wishbone Ash. <laughs> just kidding, I didn't go anywhere. I'm still just sitting here in Maryland Heights taking pictures of a pile of garbage by my dumpster at my apartment to post on Twitter in between arguing with the Live Golf fan account. <laughs> and cybering with a 50-year-old guy from Edwardsville pretending to be Dillian Harper. <laughs> I wanted to be nearby in case you wanted to take a break from coherent Cardinals and Mizzou discussion and wanted me to come in to plug my $8 cameos <laughs> or relive the exhilarating sloth fish cooking show I did on Thanksgiving. I came by around 8.30 this morning to say hi, but my key fob didn't work. I'm hoping it's just a freak thing and you didn't finally decide to symbolically old yeller me for the part-time barbecue guy who I've been beefing with for some reason for the better part of a year now. I'll be around tomorrow just kind of relaxing if you need me. That's from Pop Pop Beats. Holla at me. Pop Pop Beats. Holla at me. Black Friday, 9.30 a.m. My wife and I had finished our Christmas Sibian shopping at the second best lingerie and vape shop in Missouri. <laughs> and we decided to grab a bite at Cracker Barrel. Just as I was about to dig into my 2,200-calorie breakfast, a tart odor tickled my nostrils. The guy at the next table gave me a little wink. It was him. He cropped up to the dining room. Mm. No big deal. It was a cute little outfit. Cute little pfft. There it is. I could tell from his sleepless in Seattle t-shirt that he was familiar with the touch of a gentleman. <laughs> oh, that might be a sense of the year. I genuinely loved how his hair was slicked back yet puffy on the sides, like a young Pat Riley mixed with a hint of Gene Shallot. <laughs> That's hot. I don't care what anyone says. One fart is an accident, but four in a row <laughs> meant he was sending me a message. Just then, the young fella strutted past our table and slipped me a note which read, Say, guy, I like the cut of your jib. Meet me in the handicap stall in five minutes, and I'll show you how I got the nickname Stink Fist. Oh. Act casual, oh. but prepare to be Gosh. entered. Although oh. it was Black Friday, he quickly turned his attention to my brown hole. Ah. My knees oh. buckled when he said, I noticed they didn't give you enough gravy for your biscuits. How's about I give you some of my man gravy? Mm. The only thing I could think to say was, I hope you like your coffee with extra cream because I'm about to release some. Now act like Charlie Daniels and play my pants fiddle so I can finish, go finish my breakfast. Doug, that's from the JV Goldfish. Extremely vile. A lot of layers to it. JV <laughs> Golf Coach. Extremely vile. Morning, great show. I didn't listen. Thanksgiving, family, quality time. Now close your eyes and tell me what you see. 
Is it a warm house filled with apple pie smells and family laughter? Siblings in town after long bouts of traveling. Neighbors stopping by to give you a hug. Grandparents sleep on the couch after a hearty breakfast casserole. Cousins and nieces and nephews playing board games and drinking crisp cider in the basement. <laughs> Family traditions and football on in the background. Now, open your eyes and tell me what you see. Does it surprise you to learn the first thing some people do upon their Thanksgiving holiday break is pay an insane amount of money to a jaundiced bag of bones to have him virtually cuck their brother-in-law <laughs> via their cameo app where old Tubaragi wets his beak to the tune of 90%? What says I'm thankful more than an incredible loser paying money to have a cuck cameo email to his sibling with a hyper-localized HD2 producer turned hood or me yelling at him about having sex with his wife? Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, Thanksgiving. Oh. Thanks, Doug. That's from Gunter. Hyperlocalized. <laughs> Gunter. <laughs> and finally, Sadie Hawkins, Doug. Mizzou blew out Arkansas in their closing argument for a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. In a New Year's Six Bowl, the Cardinals are signing Sonny Gray to be the ace of their colonoscopy rotation. <laughs> the Blues lost 8-3 to to the Predators on Friday, and the Blues beat the Blackhawks 4-2 to on Sunday. Ah, yes, the Blues. Mizzou and SLU managed to get through the weekend without picking up any quad four home losses. Yeah. CM Punk returned to the WWE, and Joe Roderick was on hand to cover it as a media member, man. But I think the lead is Jackson's hair, and it needs to be slicked back like Pat <laughs> Riley so he doesn't look like 97-year-old fuzzy-haired film critic Gene Shallot. It's a real concern. Sports-heavy show to get us through day one of Ken's vacation, but it's really too bad he wasn't on hand to discuss the AI crop top photo of Billie Eilish's breasts. Ken left the audience wanting more on Skanksgiving by first teasing that he was doing a cooking show, but ultimately canceled, citing nowhere to put the tripod in his new kitchen. Let's be real, people don't tune in to watch Iggy cook. They tune in for his confessional-style smoke breaks when he bitches about his neighbors and fires shade at the gold diggers who only talk to him when there's a free dinner at Olive and Oak on the table before inviting the same married or unmarried female to Olive and Oak again. Is that a new report? Oh. Nothing personally against Lodo King, but you're going about all this wrong. Begging to be let onto the fan page via the text inbox screams, we got a live one here, fellas. <laughs> True. And that's on top of calling yourself Lodo King, which, as we all know, the well-coiffed 25-year-old who is the gatekeeper of the fan page hates the Lake of the Ozarks. Try changing your name to In Gates We Trust and send a polite email with your real name and don't act like a psycho whose entire existence hinges on gaining entry into a group of 7,000 perverts. Doug, that's Buck Swope. Oh, Buck Swope with a nice little email oh, today. And that's what we have for the designer heating and cooling email of the day. What you got? You know, there were, several of them were pretty good. Jamie yeah. Golf Coach was extremely vile, so he's out. You don't uh, like Stink Fist? No. <laughs> that was really no, good. I'm going to go for this fellow by the name of Gunter. Uh, fellow gonna, by the name of Gunter. I'm going to vote here in a moment. I just want to draw the attention that this chair has shrunk. I, I mean, you I, shrink it, bro? I literally, I, I think if I sat on the ground, I would sit higher than where <laughs> I, I, I need to figure this out because I am sitting very low. My vote is for the JV golf coach. It's vile. On, I could tell from his sleepless in Seattle t shirt that he's familiar with the touch <laughs> of a gentleman. Oh, that's really good. So, JV golf that coach. That is a nice line. Up. God, there's so many good ones. That's a strong badge. 
I'm going BBCing you later. So, <laughs> Plowhawk, you get to be Sadie Hawk. It's stink fist, man. It's JV there Gold. it is. JV Golf Coach is shipped. Great line. The design air heating and cooling email of the day. Now you can switch your YouTube channel over to the 101 ESPN channel and watch Jackson and I deal with a situation down the hallway, Doug. They will not be happy. They you think they're be. happy about Sonny Gray? No. no, no they're no, not going to be happy about Sonny Gray? Well, okay. you should be. They got an ace. Well, we'll, we'll get them right. Okay. Right. We're going down the hallway, and we're going to deal with it. Jeremy Rutherford okay. at 1045. So the Blues beat the Blackhawks on the dad's trip tomorrow night. They're in Minnesota, and then head back to take on the Buffalo Sabres on Thursday. All of it's coming your way on Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota, for the Plowhawk, for KG and O-Town, for Jackson sitting in, for Kenneth Iggy Strode, for my brother Kevin, for Douglas Elvin Vaughn. I'm Tim McCartney. This has been TMA, presented by Brown and Crouppen from the Michelob Ultra Studios.